welcome back into another episode of the Rattle Podcast here in our weekly interview series. We are honored this week to be joined by Jody Ayler. He is the host of The Drive, which can be heard Monday through Friday on Fox Sports 910 uh, from 6 to 10 a.m., which Jody, I think I think this is the first time we've spoken since you moved into the morning slot. You were in the, uh, you know, the drive home slot, uh, I think from like 4 to 7 or something like that before uh first off thanks for taking some time with us today and secondly uh is is the 6 to 10 uh a.m slot for you uh becoming a little bit too early in the morning has there been any issue with that this is it's good to be here man and good to talk to you always appreciate the invite and um you know it's funny because this is one of those weird times where if it was a normal time you know waking up at 4 a.m and showering and then driving into work it's kind of a grind but now that I'm broadcasting from literally my master bedroom closet every morning, I can wake up at 5 a.m., roll into the closet, and I get about an extra hour of sleep. So um, that, that extra hour of sleep makes a big difference. So I can go to bed now about uh, 10 o'clock instead of 9 o'clock every night, which makes a big difference. Oh, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned you're broadcasting from a closet. What is that like? <laughs> Well, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's um, <laughs> never anticipated in this, you know, we, we've grown as a family into our home, but I never anticipated needing to add a home studio. So, um, you know, obviously I work for a large company. Our parent company is iHeartMedia, which is the largest broadcasting company in the in the world. And uh, so we have state-of-the-art facilities, but because of social distancing and really just a matter of abundance of caution, um, we converted to broadcasting from my house, which requires running about a hundred foot ethernet cord from my downstairs wireless modem, which is the only place (laughs) source I can grab it from Mm. up the stairs through the hallway and into a closet. It's probably like, it's like, it's a walk-in closet, but it's not like a big one. It's probably eight by eight. And I sit on the ground and I talk about sports for four hours. So it's, it's, it's something. Yeah. Oh, that absolutely is something. Um, I'm curious from your standpoint, just thinking topically here, obviously, uh, not only are, you know, we broadcasters stuck at home um, and kind of, you know, getting used to it to a different format of of doing what we do. uh, But I know it I mean, it goes the same for sports. Uh, Sports teams are are not playing like they normally would. There is as least not as of yet any NBA playoffs to be spoken of. Uh, The Major League Baseball season, of course, has been pushed back. Have there been days where you, you know, show up, I guess I, I was going to say to the office, but I guess to the closet, um, and, and, you, <laughs> and you just feel like you don't really have a whole lot to talk about that day because there just isn't a whole lot of sports going on right now. Yeah, that's, a, you know, a lot of people will ask me that of, uh, you know, family members or neighbors that I see from 20 feet away as we shout to each other to some form of human contact. And, <laughs> you know, it hasn't been, it hasn't been bad because the NFL draft was always there. And like, you know, even in a normal year, we, like you mentioned, we'd have NBA playoffs. We'd have the beginning of the baseball season, all the trends that happened in the early storylines. We would have had March madness and college basketball, but even in a normal time, the NFL is going to always be King. And those other topics are just sort of a little spice, a little variety. So really the last six weeks have been fairly normal, but we've just, I've just, it's basically a hundred percent NFL draft, um, which is not ideal. Now we're kind of getting into the weird part where the draft is behind us. 
This week is going to be about reacting. This is the week after the draft. Right. Next week, there's nothing concrete on the horizon. So it's it's kind of a fun challenge, you know. Topically, you'll, you've got to really be creative. And if if you're a radio host that relies on, you know, kind of being spoon fed stories from games or what other people are saying, then you might be challenged. But I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. I think radio is such a fun medium to be creative, to be spontaneous, to be organic, and so. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where those those sort of new places take us on the show. Always kind of related to sports, but you know, we'll just kind of see where it goes. Yeah, well, from from my standpoint here on the rattle, I know uh, myself and all of our listeners are certainly looking forward uh, to the return of baseball. And I want to ask you about. Uh, obviously, there have been several plans that have been leaked to the public with regard to this. There's the Arizona plan, which would have all 30 teams uh, sequestered here in Arizona using spring training facilities along with Chase Field to play games. Uh, we've also heard about plans that would do something similar along those same lines, but maybe include Florida, maybe include both Florida and Texas. All of those ideas have swirled around. I know Jeff Passan over at ESPN uh, released a piece just yesterday that kind of outlined uh, all of the conversations that are going on right now, but did express quite a bit of optimism that baseball would return at some point here in 2020. Uh, I want to start out, Jody, by asking you uh, one thing just about here in, in the state of Arizona. All three of those plans that I mentioned involve Arizona. And, and whether it's 10 teams being here or 15 teams or 30 teams or the entire you know Major League Baseball scene all taking place here in the desert, Arizona is probably going to have a pretty big role to play in whatever the return of baseball does look like when that happens. What do you think that means, uh, you know, for Arizona, a state we're kind of used to being uh, maybe a little bit overlooked in the national spectrum? And it seems like this may be an opportunity, although the circumstances are certainly not what we'd expected, but, uh, you know, an opportunity to kind of shine a little bit and, and kind of become, you know, a force in the national view, at least for a time. Yeah, and, and you know, just to start off, you mentioned circumstances. I feel like the you know the the appropriate qualifier to any answer is none of this is exciting in the normal context. None of this is fun. It's all at the cost of human suffering and or economic suffering that compels all of these changes to happen. So I don't want to diminish or minimize yeah in, that in any way, shape, or form. But acknowledging yeah. that and acknowledging that it's also fundamental to sort of mental health and economic viability that sports return and Arizona being a big part of that. Listen, we, we are overlooked, but we're also a big event city. And this is a city that's got the infrastructure of hotels, plenty that are, you know, uh, at an appropriate standard for what major league baseball would require, given the volume of players that may have to come here, as you mentioned, in any form um, restaurants. I mean, anything that, that needs to serve a large group of people over an extended period of time, we are prepared to do that. I think, obviously, the challenges come in. Weather is a big challenge. I, you know, This is the one part of the story I couldn't get over when they leaked it. It's like, listen, I know we've got <laughs> ballparks and spring training, but July and August in Phoenix, it's no place to be playing a Major League Baseball game in the middle of the day you know, or even in the early morning, it, uh, almost all those games would have to be done at night. So you're talking about one game per stadium. And so I think, I think there's some of those logistical challenges. But what's, 
What's kind of interesting, and again, it's you see feel a little selfish talking about this with people still really, really struggling, is that it could be a real economic kick for a city that like everyone else has really taken a financial hit. So you you're talking about hotels that were ravaged during peak tourism period here in Phoenix in March. You're talking about restaurants that are still struggling day to day to keep their doors open while it's not going to be a panacea and fix everything for everybody. If you brought a couple hundred professional athletes and you could safely medically clinically play baseball without jeopardizing unnecessarily anyone's lives, it could be a real positive for the city. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited that Phoenix can be a part of the solution because like you, I miss, I, I mean, I've missed my fantasy baseball drafts. I've missed all of my <laughs> keeper league decisions. I've missed following the box score day to day. And the fact that Phoenix is in a position to be a part of that solution, which, which I think they will be, you know, you mentioned some of the other scenarios. I think what we're also starting to hopefully kind of realize is that more places are going to be possible because a month ago it felt like Phoenix might be the only option. Now I feel like there's going to be a, uh, there may be more places that are still closed down in a month than are open. Um, and I'm not a medical expert to comment on, on, you know, whether that's right or not. But um, I think I, I highly, highly doubt that Phoenix will host all of baseball. Now I think it's just some fraction of it that's that split out over a few places. You mentioned earlier that you know following the NFL draft, the uh, the topics in the sports world certainly kind of thin out a little bit, um, and, and I think in a way for for the game of baseball that could serve uh, that could serve the sport uh, potentially just by the fact that baseball normally doesn't you know doesn't really have much of a spotlight moment. You've got the NBA playoffs at the beginning end of baseball. You've got the NFL. Uh, kicking in toward the end of the baseball season. There's really only a month or two in the very middle of summer where baseball is normally uh, kind of in the center of, of American sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, if, if this happens, you know, it's very possible that baseball uh, really shines uh, not just as the only sport, but as one of very few live events to watch, uh, just nationally speaking. And I think for a sport that has long time, you know, started to struggle, uh, ratings on television are, seem to be going up, but the product on the field is not drawing as many fans into ballparks as it has in the past. Uh, the general consensus is that baseball seems to be uh, maybe declining a little bit in overall interest from Americans. But what, what do you think this means for, for the game of baseball to maybe have that spotlight nationally for what could be, you know, several months it, it's got the potential to be really revitalizing and, and really kind of um, put baseball back into what it was for so many generations of people, which was something familiar, something comforting, something exciting, something just that feels American, you know. And I think that's still the power of baseball. And again, assuming all of this can be done and, and a really – you know, as safe as safe can be, it's it's got the potential to sort of rekindle a lot of people's diminished love for baseball. Because you're right. I mean, listen, there's other sports that have taken over baseball. Baseball has their own challenges that they've met. But I think there's still sort of something in all of us that connects with baseball. Little League baseball. You know, this is, 
just you're you're a seam head just like I am, probably more so at this stage. And I would watch early in March, mid March, Japan baseball was getting ready to return, and on Twitter you could watch highlights of some exhibition games in Japan. Now they ultimately had to shut that down. <laughs> Korea, we know, is ramping back up. I watch Korean baseball highlights on social media, and there. It doesn't matter that it's in a language I don't speak or with players I've never heard of or in a country that I've never been to. It's baseball. And when I watch it, there's a part of me that just felt in a weird way kind of comforted that there's some place in the world right now (laughs) where it's safe to play a game that I've played my whole life that has always been, hey, let's go outside and play wiffle ball. Let's go to a minor league baseball game. Let's go to a major league baseball game. And now as an adult, as a professional, let's talk about baseball. So I think when baseball returns, it's going to really be a powerful signal to a lot of people like, hey, this is going to be okay. We're going in the right direction. And as far as Major League Baseball and how Major League Baseball could benefit, I think there's a lot of reason and a lot of motivation to see how this season works in a concentrated form. You know, fewer baseball games has been sort of historically antithetical because of all of the the stats and records that are directly attributed to 162. But I'm excited to see a potential, you know, an 81-game season and and just see how that feels with a little more urgency. And baseball, I think, just has an opportunity, if it can be done right and, and medically appropriately, to just remind people of why they were all baseball fans in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious, Jody, you mentioned earlier that the baseball seems to have been a part of your life for uh, for quite some time. Uh, I want to jump into to your story uh, as a as a broadcaster. I know with your gig that you've had now for a while with Fox Sports 910 hosting the drive. I believe you were out in Tucson working radio uh, before then. But uh, we would love just like a like maybe the 10,000 foot view of, of your story uh, of you know growing up and eventually turning into the broadcaster that you are today that you know people uh, here in the Phoenix area have grown to really enjoy. Yeah, man, I've just been uh, you know like many people just grew up sports obsessed. Um, I grew up in rural southeastern Pennsylvania, and uh, our 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 yard literally butted up to a cornfield of an Amish farm, and there's you know. Having my mom or dad stand out there and, and uh, pitch batting practice. My dad built a pitching net for me to practice for community league baseball. I played basketball. You know, all these things that are just kind of part of growing up in, in uh, anywhere in America, really. And for me, rurally, it was really the only thing to do. And so I'd read the box scores daily in the newspaper, baseball, and every Thursday sports would get delivered to my oldest brother and I would devour that cover to cover and then later you know as the internet came along I remember going and printing out box scores on the old dial-up connection that it would take an hour to load one page and just to print out a box (laughs) score to highlight my favorite baseball players what they did that day and fortunately got to college and and discovered student radio there which I know you you've experienced as well and um, I didn't even really know what sports talk radio was basically until college wasn't nearly as prevalent in the you know early 90s as it is now and got to student radio at u of a in 1998 and started doing my own radio show in 1999 and um loved it and goofed around with my friends and you know part of this is just i was i was born a good broadcasting voice and um it allowed 
need to have some doors open right away. I got my first paid on air job immediately out of college. I was working full time at a hotel front desk, just trying to do my first college post-college foray into the world and was doing about 10 hours a week of updates in Tucson. And then eventually got hired full time to work for a local nonprofit where I worked for about three years. And then part time, I was doing a one hour sports talk show that I was fortunate enough to land. And Hmm. uh, Brian Jeffries was the one that first hired me. And I just kind of, I've always appreciated him. And I went up and asked if he had any jobs. He said, send me your demo and hired me and and uh, was able to turn those into some hosting opportunities. And then I was in Tucson for a show down there, uh, fortunate to, to have people that wanted to listen. And good opportunity came up in Phoenix and uh, been up here for seven years now. And, you know, it's just, it's different now. I mean, I've been doing it professionally for 15 years. So my view on the sports landscape is different than it was before. But um, I still love it and eat, sleep and breathe it. And it's, it's just, um, it's a passion. Uh, Jody, I'm curious, you have certainly one of the deepest broadcast voices that I think I have personally ever heard. Uh, And I'm curious, when when did that start? Uh, Did 13 year old Jody Ayler, you know, have like just this extraordinarily deep (laughs) voice that all of his friends were looking up to? Or or what what did that look like for you? Yeah, it's funny. I was, you know, I was always kind of the runt of my friends. I grew up, I was the shortest one in class. I mean, I remember well into middle school when I would answer the phone at home and people still made phone calls on landlines that uh, people would assume I was my mom. Um, you combine that with the fact that I've got a first name that's that's kind of a girl, a female name, Jody, and I'd get, you know, letters in the mail for Miss Teen Arizona because they didn't know any better. And so I had this <laughs> You know, you, you kind of have these complex when you're a teenager. And I was this gangly, pale, redheaded kid that was built like, you know, pieces of spaghetti attached to a broomstick. And uh, but I had this deep voice that just to this day, I, I will literally startle people who will see me that don't know me. Then, and if it's a cashier pre, you know, COVID-19 or whatever, and I'm I'm still I'm just this gangly redhead and I've I'll start talking and they're taken aback and I I mean it's probably once to two times a week somebody will comment on it and I, I it again it's it just happened I don't know how it happened I didn't start smoking cigarettes when I was ten or you know <laughs> I, I have no idea how or why it happened but I'm I'm glad it did because it's certainly been beneficial in my career choice. Last question here for you, Jody. I'm curious, looking back on your uh, broadcasting career, starting out in Tucson and moving out here to Phoenix, uh, is there maybe one day in your broadcasting career uh, that you would relive over all of the other days? Is there any any moment that really, really sticks out to you? Hmm, that's interesting. I don't think anyone's said that before. I don't know that I've ever even actually thought about that myself. I don't know that there is one day. I, I don't know. You know, the... The joy of radio is that every day is a new day and you get to kind of paint a new picture. And so I honestly try to be grateful and appreciative that I have had any time for someone to pay me to talk about what I love. I mean, (laughs) I do live for, you know, conversations around big events. You know, any if it's Zach Granke unexpectedly signing Diamondback, and that that show is going to be amazing. If it's a big Cardinals game or a draft pick or a trade. Those are the days that you just 
you, you never know when they're going to happen, but when there's some real juicy red meat that you know you get to put your spin on and people want to hear from you, man, those, those are as good as it gets. So I, I don't know that any one day specifically because in my time on the air, there hasn't been a lot of tremendous amount of success from any of the teams involved. So there's not like a championship broadcast I've been able to do or anything. But um, I, I am grateful and appreciative that I get to do it every day and, and that people take the, the opportunity to listen, which I always appreciate. Well, Jody, thank you so much uh, for sharing your your talents and gifts and your extremely deep voice uh, with us here today on the Rattle <laughs> Podcast. Uh, we certainly appreciate it and look forward to having you on again here sometime soon. Always a pleasure, Jesse. Look forward to talking some, uh, some baseball games here in the near future with you, my friend. 